So the players that Tbilisi will be bringing on, Ross Bartley, scored twice against Malmo in the past, and uh, Christian Pulisic, good to see him back after the ankle problem that he picked up on international duty back on September the 8th. And it is Wednesday morning, busy week, big week on multiple fronts in the soccer world, particularly the American soccer world. We have MLS barreling toward the playoffs and the races are tight. You name it, it's up for grabs, except for the Supporter Shield. New England has that already. But you have top seed in the West, the last spots in both conferences, there's some midweek games that are going to, you know, tell a story and, and go a long way towards figuring out who gets some of those last spots. We have U.S. men's national team news to talk about. And yes, we will find out which players are getting called in uh, Thursday. And we'll uh, next episode, we'll definitely break that down. But there's other news. It's not just roster news. We have NWSL playoffs. We're going to touch on that a little bit. And as usual, or pretty often, we're going to start with Americans Abroad. So much to talk about on the Americans Abroad front. And you know what the headlining topic is. Christian Pulisic is back. And I know some U.S. fans were breathing a sigh of relief when they watched him take the field for Chelsea on Tuesday. His first match for Chelsea since August. His first match of any kind since the World Cup qualifier in September in Honduras. We all remember. Hurt his ankle pretty badly. As you can tell, because he's been out since then. We're talking almost two months that he was on the sidelines with that ankle injury. And of course, you know, people were like, people were wondering what's going on. Is this... Is he going to need surgery? Is this, I mean, what's, why is this taking so long? He had some setbacks as Thomas Tickle uh, let the public know, but he finally got back on the field and, you know, it was a cameo, it was, you know, short uh, appearance off the bench, but it was still good to see him. He showed off some of that speed. He had a little breakaway at the end, whether he was onside or not. He has a chance at the end. He misses it. He puts it wide still. It was nice. It was nice to see him out there running around. And, of course, you know, he misses that at the end, but he's rusty. He hasn't played in almost two months. No one should be surprised by that. What matters is that he's back in action. And he happens to return nine days before the U.S. plays Mexico in the big World Cup qualifier. And I'm sure Christian Pulisic had that circled on his uh, on his calendar because, look, he missed the October qualifiers. He, you know, the last time he left the field in a U.S. uniform was with he was injured Honduras before the big late rally. He misses all the October qualifiers, but he has a chance to play Mexico, and I gotta think he's gonna be there, ready to rock. And and we do need to temper expectations a little bit because who knows what he can give you? It, it, can we just expect him to start? Can we pencil him in? Does he have enough time between now and November 12th in Cincinnati to get the fitness levels where he needs to get them in order to be able to start? And that that's a big question. Greg Berhalter needs to figure that out. Obviously, Chelsea still has a game on the weekend, and that's another opportunity for Pulisic to get more minutes. Does he have a chance to start? I, it feels early. I don't think I don't see Thomas Tuchel giving him a start, but I'm pretty sure whatever happens in that game and whatever happens in training in the in the coming days after that is going to tell Greg Berhalter just where Pulisic is. And I'm sure Pulisic wants to start. I mean, U.S.-Mexico, he's going to want to be there. But you got to be careful. You know? I mean, is it better to bring him off the bench? 
give you a you know a solid thirty, solid forty five, or do you you know force him into the starting lineup and have him have a setback? Because as much as as big as the U.S. Mexico matches, we know the rivalry and what it means and how important it is. We get all that, but at the end of the day, it's still one qualifier. And there is another qualifier after that against Jamaica down in Jamaica. Not a gimme by any means, as much as I know some people are going to say, oh, we, you know, the U.S. just beat Jamaica. You know, they, they haven't looked great. What are we worried about? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what to worry about in a little bit here when we, you know, we discuss Jamaica's roster because they announced their roster actually for the their November qualifiers. But Berhalter has to consider all this when it comes to Pulisic. Because I think a more realistic scenario is maybe you bring it. Look, if he has, if he looks great in training, his fitness levels are, you know, through the roof. Do you kind of brush aside the, the likely rust and just put him in the lineup? It's possible. But I think a more realistic approach would be have him play a, a pretty good sized number of minutes off the bench. And then hopefully have him available to start against Jamaica. You're going down to Jamaica. They need points. I don't think they're going to sit back. They're going to come. They're going to go. They're going to be looking to attack. They're not bringing a squad to sit back and bunker. They're bringing a squad to go after the teams that they're playing in November because they have to. They they need points badly. So I think that if you're looking at it, that might be the game where you put Pulisic in the starting lineup. And, and again, anything can happen. I, I, I would love to see Pulisic against Mexico. We know he'll be up for it. But, you know, be a little realistic. He's just come back. His first action in almost two months. Let's see where he is. Now, one player who is absolutely on a tear, who should be in the lineup against Mexico, knock on wood, all things go well, Weston McKinney. And he has continued to tear it up for, for Juventus. And now he's adding goals. He scored in two consecutive matches last week. His first two Serie A goals of the season. And uh, even though Juventus lost both games, it's a, it's a bit of a tough time for Juventus. But McKinney is playing well. He started that first game. He came off the bench and scores the goal in the second game. And then you're kind of wondering, wait a minute, why is he, in, why is he on the bench for that second game? Well, because... Max Allegri wanted him to start in Champions League, and that's what happened. He started on Tuesday. Champions League, Juventus rolled. Big-time win. Comfortable victory. And McKinney, again, played well. So he is he is in just really good form. And considering everything that he's been through, everything that he had to deal with, with the, you know getting kicked off the team and getting sent home and trying to win back the trust of the team and and the fans and whoever questioned him and started to wonder, you know, is he the guy anymore? Is he, can he be trusted? All that. Look, he just put his head down and kept playing. Earned a place, earned regular minutes with Juventus, came back in October for the qualifiers, did his thing then, played well, I thought. I know some people had, you know, some doubts about, the praise I gave him, because I gave him praise after that Costa Rica game. I thought he was great. And I and I got some people like, nah, he wasn't that good. I'm like, oh, whatever. All right, everyone's this everyone's got an opinion. I get it. But in my opinion, Wesley McKinney was great against Costa Rica. And hit, with the form that he's in, I mean, you have to love the idea of McKinney going against Mexico. Because let's not forget, Nations League final, Wesley McKinney was Outstanding against Mexico, you know he'll be up for that one. And with the form that he's in, it's it. You, I can't stress how important he is, especially Mexico with the midfield that they have. With Hector Herrera in the form that he's in, Edson Alvarez, potentially Andres Guardado. I mean, their their midfield. We know Mexico's midfield is strong, but McKinney in the form that he's in, he's going to play a big role in that game. Now, another player who's been in good form, but who actually didn't play in Champions League this week, he was rested, was Serginho Dest. And it's funny because normally when an American player is left out of the lineup for a big game, 
you know, the initial reaction is like, oh, wait, 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 what? What's going on? Oh, no. Look, you, you know, he's, you know, he's losing his spot. What's going on? But this is a little different. So Junior Dest has been playing well. He's been one of the few bright spots for Barcelona in this mess that they've been in. The mess that led to Ronald Koeman getting fired. He, Serginho Dest, has is just he's done his thing and playing in a new position, playing as a right winger. Uh, and he played a ton of games. He played, I, I think, I looked it up. I think it was six straight. He had started in six straight matches for club and country in three weeks, and playing in you know playing ninety in the last four for Barcelona. So he played ninety minutes four straight times in two weeks. So you can see, you could tell, you know what? If he's tired, it's not a shock. It's not a surprise. He needed a rest. He wasn't a hundred percent. So he, you know, so he didn't play. He didn't play in Barcelona's big win on Tuesday, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You know why? Because you want Serginho Dest firing on all cylinders when the U.S. plays Mexico. And you don't want a worn out and burnt out Serginho Dest. We saw in October just how important he can be. And we know, and for me, I, I think he'll be up for that one too. I think he's another one. I think he'll be up for that Mexico game. But some rest is not going to hurt him. It's actually, it's actually very, very fortunate. Now, you know, he's going to probably play this weekend before the camp. I have to think he'll go back into the starting lineup for Barcelona, but it's good that he was able to kind of stop the run of, you know, a game every three games, every every three days, because that, that gets to you at a certain point. Mix in some travel with the World Cup qualifiers and all that. I think he'll be good to go. Got that rest this week, and I think he'll be ready for the qualifiers in November. Now, another player who could potentially be ready for the qualifiers in November is Joe Scally. And I think we've gone well past the point of curiosity and, you know, eh, maybe you bring him in, maybe you have a look. Listen, he has started 12 matches in a row in all competitions for Borussia Mönchengladbach, and he has played well. He's played Bayern. I'm pretty sure he's played Bayern twice. He was just part of a big win over Bayern in the DFB Pokal. He just got an assist in another win this weekend. So he's he's just crushing it. And there, there's look, there's no excuse at this point. I'm sorry. I don't I I personally think he's getting called in. I think Berhalter will call him in. I don't think this is going to be much of an issue. But I do, I just don't see the excuse, or I don't see a logical explanation for not bringing him in. And I get it. You have other you know more experienced options at right back, but he can play right back or left back. And I think that versatility seals it along with how consistent he, how consistent he's been in Bundesliga play. I mean, he's just, it's just, it's amazing how that the fact that he's 18 and the maturity that he shows the poise, the fearlessness, the strength. I mean, uh, as an 18 year old fullback, it's, it, I, I don't know if I've seen an 18 year old fullback American fullback, Look that good. I don't know if I've seen many 18-year-old fullbacks of any any nationality that look that good. But he's looked that good. It's time to bring him in. Now, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, he has to start. Start him against Mexico. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying all that. I still think it's Serginho Dest, Anthony Robinson. Those are your fullbacks, period. But it's time to bring him in. It's time to get him acclimated. See how he stacks up. It's time. And I think it's going to happen. I think Berhalter is going to call him in. I mean, he had Berhalter admitted in October that he had he was already talking to him. He had talked to him right before he announced the roster in October, so he was pretty close. He was pretty close. Shaq Moore was called in. Uh, I just think this time around, as much as Deion, I think you're going to see, you could see five fullbacks if Berhalter brings in Sam Vines. Because I think you're going to see Dest, Robinson, Yedlin, and potentially Vines, and potentially Scally. That would give you five fullbacks. And if you're only going to bring four, I'm sorry, if the option is between Vines and Scally, I'm going Vines. Vines has played left back. He's not a natural left back, obviously, but he's played left back for Mönchengladbach. He's done well there. Bring him in. And I think that's going to happen. I think he'll get get the call up. 
Now, another interesting uh, Americans Abroad development that, that came out on Tuesday involved Owen Otisoe. And I know some people are like, wait, what? Are, you know, where's he been? I've completely haven't heard anything. What's he doing? Where'd he go? Well, he's at Club Rouge. He transferred to Club Rouge in the summer, four million pound transfer from Wolves. And then he's gone MIA. He's nowhere to be found. He hasn't played a minute. I don't even think he's made the bench for the first team. So it's kind of like, where did he go? Is he in witness protection? What's going on here? Well, we were we got some insight. On Tuesday, reports out of Belgium, or report out of Belgium, stated that uh, Club Rouge is giving him a break. They're giving him a one-week break because he's struggling to adapt and adjust to the new country that he's moved to. He's gone from England to Belgium, and apparently hasn't been a smooth transition for him. And obviously this is disappointing news because Owen Odesoe is a top-level prospect, 20 years old, I believe, still. Can play defensive midfield, can play center back. Very enticing prospect. He's been in with U.S. camps before. And, he, you know, it, the expectation when he signed with Bruges was that he'd go there, he'd get playing time. Hasn't worked out that way, obviously. But hopefully he can get it sorted out, you know, get settled. And we know, we've seen it. We've seen it happen. Young, young players not necessarily adapting, for whatever reason. But he is a talent. There's no denying that. He is a talented player, and hopefully he can get it figured out because he can be a player who can play himself into the conversation for the national team. But as of right now, he is not even close because, again, he's not playing. He hasn't played in months. So we'll see. Hopefully he can get it sorted out. Hopefully Bruges can help him get acclimated, and he can get into the first team and get some minutes. Now, on to the U.S. men's national team. Specifically, the roster does come out on Thursday, and... I don't. I don't know if we're. I don't think we're going to see many big time surprises. I mean, I think everyone. Christian Pulisic being back is big. Obviously, he will be on the squad. Knock on wood. Stays healthy through the weekend. He's on the squad. Joe Scally. That's another big one. People are going to be watching. I think he makes the squad. There's some other question marks though. Striker. Who do you bring in at striker? You have obviously Jossie Zardes being hurt. That creates an opportunity for somebody. Uh, but then you got Josh Sargent and Jordan Pifak, the two play, the two strikers who were not called in in October. And the question was, you know, how would they respond? Are they going to play their way back into the picture? Well, neither one of them has scored in recent weeks. And I'll give Sargent credit because he's earned a starting role for Norwood City. He is starting in the Premier League. He just hasn't found the net. He still hasn't found the net. And we all know about the the intangibles, the dirty work that he does. That's all well and good, but you got to put the ball in the net. At a certain point, you have to do it. And the one player who's putting the ball in the net in terms of strikers, American strikers, is Daryl DK. He scored again this weekend. He he's just been finding the net, playing with confidence, and I think he's earned the opportunity. Does that mean he'll get it? Could I see Sargent still getting the call, even though he hasn't been scoring? Absolutely. I could totally see that. I could totally see that scenario. But I have to wonder. I have to wonder, DK, with the form that he's in and the confidence he's playing with. I mean, there's no substitute for confidence in a striker, and he's got it right now. He's feeling it. He's finding the net. And I'm sure he's dying to get back into the national team mix. Obviously, we know what happened in the Gold Cup. He had the great, the bright start. But then he injured his shoulder. wasn't the same after that. Had some pretty bad matches where you know pretty clearly he was limited. Or he was dealing with some with a with a shoulder issue, so he wasn't one hundred percent. So you know what? If he can get this opportunity, I have a feeling he's going to make the most of it. And to be clear, Ricardo Pepe is still your first choice. He's your number one, number one striker, no question there. But then if you're bringing one more, and again, this is only a two match November window. It's not three qualifiers this time around. It's two. So I don't think you're going to see a 27, 28-man roster. Even I don't even know if you'll see a 26-man roster. So I'm not sure we see three strikers this time around. So if you're only bringing two and you got Pepe, will, you go, will it be Pepe and DK? That's the question. Or will it be Pepe 
and Sergeant. I don't think it'll be PFOC. I think Sergeant's ahead of PFOC. But the question is, where's DK? Is DK ahead of Sergeant? Are we getting Peppy DK? Hopefully. I think that I think DK's earned it. Uh, if it, you know, if there were a way to bring three, I'd bring, you know what? Peppy DK Sergeant. It'd be great to have them all in camp. See how it goes. And that's a that's the just that's a, one of the big decisions Burhalter is going to have to make. So I'm not going to get into all the positions because I feel like we've covered that before. Um, but those are those are some of the ones that stand out in terms of some decisions that Burhalter is going to have to make. Now, uh, one thing to definitely note: uh, U.S. Mexico has sold out. the The tickets are gone in Cincinnati. No surprise, obviously. U.S. Mexico always sells out. U.S. Mexico qualifiers always sell out. Uh, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I, I'm hope I'm hoping to be there right now. I still don't know if I'm going to be there. I already have my flight booked, but however, I might have some duties with CBS that keep me uh, keep me in New York. But if not, I will absolutely be there, and I'm looking forward to it. I've only missed one U.S. Mexico game in the last 24. I want to say so. Hopefully, I don't miss this one, but we'll see. Duty calls. Uh, I think it's going to be a good match. Uh, Mexico coming in with some confidence. In first place in the group, USA has been dealing with some issues. Obviously, Gio Reyna is still out, and I think it, it's safe. We know now he's not going to be there. He's not going to be there for the November qualifiers, unfortunately for for the U.S. and him. But I still think the U.S. is going to be able to give Mexico a handful, and I think Cincinnati could be a great environment. I think the stadium there, the fans, I think it's going to be a great environment for the U.S. there, and it's sold out. So we will see. And speaking of the November qualifiers, Jamaica has announced its roster. And the headliner there is Mikel Antonio and Leon Bailey are in. They are in. And if you're Greg Berhalter, you're a little worried because, you know what, your defense is going to have to deal with trying to stop these two. And if you recall, Leon Bailey didn't play against the U.S. in the Gold Cup, even though he was on the team. Um, Neither of these players played in the game in Austin in October. Um, I think it was COVID-related issues for them. They they stayed home. It all, it all seemed a little fishy, to be honest, in terms of why Antonio didn't go. But look, he didn't go. But he's going to Jamaica. And that's bad. It's bad news for the U.S. The good news is that there's going to be a limited crowd for that match, for the Jamaica match. Now, originally, initially, the reports were there would be no fans, but now it appears that there will the Jamaican government or whoever is going to allow up to five thousand fans vaccinated, and five thousand fans is you know maybe they'll you know give some support, but it's not going to be the 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 loud environment that it, it can be. And I've been to a few Jamaica qualifiers. I've been to a few U.S. Jamaica qualifiers, and it can. It can be a lively atmosphere. I wouldn't call it like necessarily intimidating. Like obviously you got the loud music and the you know the the lively crowd, but I you know compared to some of the other venues, some of the other Concacaf uh, destinations, I wouldn't call it among the most intimidating. But that's even going to be less so with only five thousand fans. But still, you still have to worry because Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, you're talking about two players who can change a game. And two players who will absolutely test that U.S. defense. Now, speaking of teams having to play with limited fans, uh, Mexico is going to play their next two home qualifiers with no fans. Uh, obviously, they're still dealing with their supporters and the homophobic chant, the one-word chant on the goal kicks. You know what it is. You've heard it enough times. It just won't go away, even though everyone is asked for it to stop. And even though Mexico has already been punished with no fans in the stands for previous matches, they, they played Jamaica with no fans back in September. Now, their upcoming matches in January, late January, early February against Costa Rica and Panama, no fans at Azteca. And that's, that's a big one. That, I mean, in terms of uh, the financial impact, I mean, and it, it's what can you do? I, I mean, obviously the Mexican Federation is just trying to figure this out. How do we stop our fans from doing this? And at a certain point, you know what? If this keeps happening, at what point does Concacaf or whoever 
start considering a pun- a bigger punishment, whether it's taking points away. I'm not saying they should do that, but you just wonder if it doesn't stop, if it keeps happening, what what's the recourse? Where do you go? What do you do? How do you stop it? But it's unfortunate, obviously, because, you know, look, Costa Rica, you know, they're not the Costa Rica of old, but still now they go to Mexico. They don't have to worry about fans and it's not going to be that intimidating environment. Still playing at altitude, but you know what? I have a feeling they're going to drop points in these games. I don't think they're getting six points out of those games with no fans. And look, Mexico is good enough to beat anybody in the in the octagonal, period. But the home field advantage does help. So we'll see. We'll see how that is, and we'll see if one of these teams can take advantage, Costa Rica or Panama. Now, one thing the U, uh, U.S. soccer and the U.S. men's national team did announce is they will be playing a friendly in December against Bosnia and Herzegovina. And this is obviously going to be a an MLS-specific camp. And what's interesting this time around was just a year ago that the U.S. played a they played a friendly in December, and this time around it's there's a camp, a pretty good sized camp, and let's not forget. Obviously, there's usually you know the traditional January camp is always a thing every year. This time around, it's a little different because guess what? There are qualifiers in late January, early February. So the January camp isn't camp cupcake. It isn't the quote-unquote, meaningless camp that maybe it's been in the past. Because the January camp, this time around, is a World Cup qualifying camp. So, obviously, U.S. soccer and U.S. men's national team, in their quest to reduce the, uh, the, the time off for MLS players, because, you know, if you get a lot of your players that are done playing in November, and you don't do anything anything in December, then you're talking almost two months off. Right before qualifiers. And yes, there still are MLS players with a part to play in the, in the men's national team. So you need to deal with that. The solution here is to have a camp in December. Have this friendly. And obviously it's going to be a great opportunity for some, some, not only for the established MLS contingent, but also for some you know players who've, who've done well in the MLS season and maybe they haven't been called up previously. Maybe they get that opportunity now. So, you know what? I'm very curious to see what that team looks like and which of the players who've really done well in 2021 but haven't been part of a camp in 2021 get that opportunity. Georgie Mihalovic is just a name that comes to mind. Kevin Paredes, DC United, the young the young left winger slash fullback. I mean, there are definitely candidates. There are definitely candidates to to take a look at. So I think it's uh, I think that's that camp and that friendly are, are going to be pretty useful. And before we get into MLS, we're going to touch on NWSL. And Gotham FC qualified for the playoffs. So guess what that means? Carly Lloyd's career is not over yet. You scored a goal. Gotham FC is in the playoffs. We'll get at least one more game of Carly Lloyd. And that game comes on Sunday in Chicago. Gotham FC takes on the Chicago Red Stars. And you're down to six teams in the playoffs in the NWSL and the first four teams in action Sunday, Red Stars, Gotham FC. And then you have Washington Spirit against the North Carolina Courage. And the winners of those two take on the Portland Thorns and Noel Rain, who both have buys into the semifinals. Semis take place November 14th. And I got to say, it's great. The guy, I mean, I'm still hoping. I mean, I know I'm not supposed to root. I'm not supposed to, you know, cheer, you know, be a fan, but listen, I want to see Carla Lloyd make a run. I think her winning uh, NWSL title in her farewell, I mean, that's asking a lot, right? That's that's a little two storybook. Make a run. I hope you know what? Hopefully they you know what? If they knock off the Red Stars, then you know, from there, you know what, anything's possible. Anything's possible. And hopefully she can keep it going. And another bit of NWSL news that I thought was great to hear. Portland Thorns have hired Karina LeBlanc as their new general manager. And uh, for those of you who don't remember her, she she was a goalkeeper for the Canadian national team. She played in NWSL. She played for the Thorns. She's been working in CONCACAF in, in her post-playing career. She's stayed in the game, continued to just you know put in the work in the game. 
and she's an amazing person. And she is, when you want to talk about the perfect hire, considering the mess that the, the situation in Portland with what happened uh, with, with, you know, Paul Riley and what came out and it was just a mess. It was just a messy situation for what's supposed to be like the, you know, the premier club in, and in the league, one of the premier clubs in the world, women's soccer clubs. So for them to hire Karina Blanc, I thought that was great. And, uh, Actually, before I started recording, I was watching some of the videos, you know, her interviews and her you know, just talking about taking the job. And I'm excited for her because I think she's going to crush it. I think she's an amazing person. And she's, you know what, Mary Paulson, you got this one right. You got this one right. You knocked this out of the park. So I'm looking forward to seeing her in that role. And moving on to MLS. It's heating up. The playoff races are heating up. They're, I mean, they've been they've been hot. But they're getting hotter. You had an interesting schedule this week. You had a Monday night game. You had a Tuesday night game. All over the map, this, this schedule, right? So so Monday, Seattle Sounders tie the LA Galaxy at home. And the Galaxy are still not in. They're not in technically in the playoffs. Right now, they're in playoff position. But a lot can happen still. Uh, and the Sounders are obviously still trying to play for the top seed. Sporting Kansas City. Has had, they have their destiny in their hands because they have two games left. If they win them both, the Sporting KC is your number one seed in the West if they do that. Uh, but as far as Seattle goes, I know they're going for that top seed, but the good news if you're Seattle uh, on multiple fronts is the fact that you're getting healthy again. And Jordan Morris is back. And even though they had to settle for the draw against the Galaxy, you still come out winning when Jordan Morris gets back on the field. After his surgery and, and missing most of the year, uh, after getting injured uh, on his loan at, at Swansea, so it, it's it was great to see him back. And you have Rui Diaz. You're getting you. The Sounders are getting back to full strength, and everyone in the league should be worried because that 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 Sounders team with everyone with all hands on deck. I don't know. I, I mean, look, New England, yes, supporters, Shield winners, record points total, balanced team, Bruce Arena run, pulling the strings. They are your favorites. We all know. They're the favorites from MLS Cup. Absolutely. But Seattle with all their pieces, I'm telling you what, I wouldn't want to bet against them. I know they lost in the final last year. I get it. Part of that was Ladero was not, obviously not 100%. But I tell you what, that that's going to be a good one. That just seeing what that Sounders team can do if they get all the pieces together. Now the Tuesday night match was LAFC Vancouver. This White Cavs team won't go away. They fired their coach, bring in the new coach, and he's just he's been making the right moves. And all of a sudden, Vancouver is now sitting in sixth place in the West after tying LAFC in LA, one one. And that's a big result for Vancouver, and that's a disappointing one for LAFC. You're at home, you got a chance to get the three points, and if they done, if they did that, if they got the three points, they would be in seventh place right now. If they get the win, they jump ahead of the Galaxy, and they are sitting in seven. They're sitting in at least seven. No, you know what? Yeah, they'd be actually they'd be ahead of Vancouver if they had won this match, but they didn't. They weren't able to do it. Maxime Cropo with some big saves. The Whitecaps, I tell you what, all of a sudden, you know what? They're they they could they're looking like they could absolutely make the playoffs. And now their destiny is in their own hands. All they need is a draw. Draw or win, and they are in the playoffs. One match to go. But guess what? Guess who they play in their last game? The Seattle Sounders. The team I was just talking about. It's getting back to full strength. And that will have something to play for. In trying to get that top seed. So, you know what? It's not as, as great as this run has been for the Whitecaps. Job's not done yet. Now, if you're LFC, there's reason to be worried. There's reason to be worried. Because guess, I mean, the the task now is a daunting one. It's not an easy one. Here's what LAFC, this, this is what has to happen for LFC to make the playoffs at this point. Right now, they're on 45 points. They're in ninth place. First things first, they need to win on Sunday. They need to beat the Colorado Rapids in Colorado. Now, you might think, well, it's possible. It's doable. 
You know how many teams have beaten Colorado in Colorado this year? One. One team. <laughs> they, they're the only. They're literally the only team. Actually, my my mistake. They're one of three teams with one or fewer losses at home this year. New England only has one loss at home this year. Nashville has not lost a match this year, even though they've gotten eight draws, which isn't great. But still, Nashville zero losses at home. So winning in Colorado, tall order, right? But let's say they do it. Let's say the LAFC does it. You know, let's say uh, Arango goes off. Carlos Vela goes off. Let's say they win. They still need a little help. You have Minnesota and LAFC, uh, I'm sorry, Minnesota and LA Galaxy playing each other, basically, in a win-and-you're-in type situation, which is going to be great. But you also still have Vancouver and the and Real Salt Lake in, in the mix, right? So Minnesota, one of Minnesota or LA is, is, pro, is getting in, right? So that's one of the three spots that's available. Then you have Vancouver, who needs a draw. With a draw, they're in. Draw or win, they're in. So basically, if you're LAFC, you need either Vancouver to lose, which is possible against Seattle, or you need RSL not to win either of its last two games, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. RSL closes things out against Portland at home, and on the road against uh, Sporting Kansas City, which it's we, you don't want to have to go to KC and get a win. So if you're RSL, absolutely positively need to beat Portland at Rio Tinto on Wednesday. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, look, it, at the end of the day, RSL, they, they, they dropped the ball. You're playing San Jose Earthquakes. The, earthquake, the Earthquakes were done. Playoffs they were out of the playoff race. You need to beat them. Instead, Earthquakes put four on RSL. Not a very playoff team-like performance from RSL. But they still have their destiny in their hands. If they win either of these last two games, they'll be in. But they have to win one of them. And if they don't, that could open the door for LAFC. Of course, this is all moot if the Rapids just beat LAFC or tie LAFC. So we'll see. That that's I mean, there's a lot to play for there. Um, and as far as the, over this past weekend, just some of the you know, real quick, I'll run it down for you. NYCFC with a big win, continuing to climb. Tati Castellanos is now the Golden Boot leader. How about that? And I know there hasn't been much conversation about him with MVP, but you know what? If you're golden boot, you're going to be in the conversation. Do I think he's winning? No. Carl's Gill is still winning. But he's, you got to think about him. You got to think about him a little bit. Look at those numbers. And YCFC now fourth in the East. They've secured their playoff spot. And they're not far away. They could finish still in the top three. I mean, they can move ahead of of Nashville still because they have more wins than Nashville. If they win out if they win their game. If Nashville loses their game, it's possible. Top three, big win though. And the Red Bulls with their own big late win over CF Montreal. I can't stress enough how huge that win was for multiple reasons. Number one, because it helped push them into back into the playoff picture. I mean, back into a, a playoff position. Right now, they're in seventh. They leapfrog DC United with that win. They're ahead of DC United with two matches to play. They have a game in hand. So the Red Bulls are, are sitting pretty comfortably. So that's number one. And number two, we saw Caden Clark back in action, making things happen. And for those who haven't been paying attention, Caden uh, Clark is, you know, he's fallen out of favor a bit. He hasn't been playing. You know, he had sur- he had a surgery in the summer and that kind of sidelined him. And then he kind of fell out of the rotation. And the team started winning. And you know what? Gerhard Struber, he was kind of stuck. He's got his team. It's playing well. Do you shake things up? Do you change things? You know what? And Caden Clark hadn't been playing. But he comes off. He comes into this. He plays in this match. And he helps set up the winning goal. And talk about a confidence booster. 
for a player who admitted he acknowledged that he was not happy that he, you know what that you know he hadn't been playing. But you know what? He's not going to be a bad teammate. He's going to suck it up. And you know we had Sean Davis on uh, two episodes ago, and Davis pointed out, look, Caden Clark's been handling it like a pro. Has been handling the not playing like a pro. And let's not forget, Caden Clark is heading to RB Leipzig in the winter. So these are the last games of Caden Clark's New York Red Bulls career, at least for now. Maybe he comes back one day. Who knows? But to see Clark step up in that moment, that was great. And that's huge because guess what? If you get a Caden Clark who heats up on a Red Bulls team that has already been getting results, past two months they've been tearing it up. All of a sudden, Red Bulls, you know what? You you kind of want to, you don't want to deal with them. But the Red Bulls have, uh, they got some having lifting to do here. They're playing at home. Last home game of the regular season. And they play Atlanta United. An Atlanta United team that is also still trying to lock up a playoff spot. Haven't locked one up yet. But win and they're in. And actually, it's a... I believe it's winning and whoever wins this game is in. This is a playing game. Atlanta Red Bulls winner is in. Matter of fact, I think with a draw, I think if they draw, it would, it, it would put them both closer to get staying ahead of DC United. DC would still pretend, would still be in range. They could still win. And then Atlanta and Red Bulls lose on the weekend. But, if you're the Red Bulls, you're looking at this game, you're at home, you get this win, you're you're in, you're in the playoffs. And I got to say, I definitely didn't see it. I didn't see this in August. You can go back, listen to the SBI shows back in August or whenever it was. I, I thought this was, this season was done. I know I wasn't alone. I'm not, that's why I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it. I was wrong. I thought they were toast. This season was a wrap. Throw it away. Credit to Gerhard Struber, the job that he's done to turn this around. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. He gets, he gets the credit because, look, at the end of the day, this team, you're not talking about a team that's, you know, $100 million team or $50 million team or 20 Like, they, they haven't, you know, they didn't go sign some $10 million or $15 million transfer. If anything, they lost one of their most valuable players and didn't get anything for him. Kaku. We didn't, you know, did we forget the Kaku saga and him just basically bouncing and saying, I'm going, I'm going to make some money. Sorry, not sorry. I got to go. Disaster that was. And I know, look, they, they might have gotten paid at the end. The Red Bulls might have succeeded in, 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 in showing that, that he should have still been their player. But at the end of the day, he is gone. And they didn't really replace him. I mean, they brought in some players. I know Fabio, nice addition. Patrick Lamala has shown, shown well, but I don't know who had this team turning it around the way it's turned around. This past two months has been, like, unbelievable. And they're fighting in these games. This, isn't, this Red Bulls team isn't blowing teams away. They're fighting and scrapping and winning ugly sometimes, but they're winning. So I want to see them in the playoffs. I want to see what they do in the playoffs. But before we get to that, let's see how they do against Atlanta. Because this is going to be a game. So Atlanta, you know what? Obviously, Atlanta has a lot riding on it. I think this is going to be a fun game. If you're not, you know, of, of the matches, on, there's four MLS matches on Wednesday. That's the one you got to watch. Not, you know, RSL Timbers, that, that'll be a good one too. But Red Bulls, Atlanta, wow. That one, that, that's, you know, and I, like, I, I could go, but I, I'm going to have to stay and I got to deal with a lot of stuff. So I'm not going to be there. But I'm going to be watching. I'll be watching here in uh, in my SBI, SBI command center. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if the Red Bulls can pull it off. But just running down real quick, the Wednesday schedule, you have Montreal at home against uh, Houston. And uh, Montreal, a minus 210 favorite. They got to win. They need they need help. They need help to get in the playoffs. Let's put it that way. If they win out, if they get two wins, wrap things up, that gives them 49 points, and that, that gives them a great chance. To make the playoffs. Well, a decent chance to make the playoffs. But obviously that's not going to be easy. The easy part should be beating Houston. Right? Houston, that this is actually Houston's last game of the season. But if Montreal beats the Dynamo, as they're expected to, 
it actually sets up Montreal with a win and you're in, a win and you're in against Orlando City. How about that? Who would have seen that? Uh, you know, a month ago. Win and you're in for Montreal if they beat Houston as expected. But this is MLS, folks. Upsets happen. Houston Dynamo plus four sixty. They've got nothing to play for. They're playing out the string. They're thinking about the weekend. And, oh, hey, by the way, Houston Dynamo hired Pat Onstad as their new general manager. Congratulations to Onstad. That, I think that's a great hire. Obviously, you know, former Dynamo legend, you know, goalkeeper, won MLS Cups with them. He knows the club. I thought that was a very good hire. But I got to say, I don't know if I see the Dynamo mustering uh, an, an effort in what's basic, you know what? A lot of these players, I got to think of thinking about their vacations at that point. They're going up to Montreal. Montreal has everything to play for. I'm going to go Montreal. And not just because I want to see a winner-take-all Montreal-Orlando City match, but just because I think Montreal is going to get it done. You've got Austin FC versus Sporting Kansas City. Austin, plus, what are they, plus 130? Or minus 130? It can't be minus 130. Actually, I'm sorry. Austin FC is a plus one ninety. So yeah, they're the, they're not underdog. they're the underdog against Sporting KC. Sporting KC has so much riding on this. You win this, you're you're controlling your destiny to take the number one spot in the West. So I, my money's on Sporting KC plus one fifteen. Jump all over Sporting KC. Sorry, apologies to Austin FC. I I don't see KC losing that one. Then you have RSL Portland. As I said earlier, RSL absolutely dropped the ball losing to San Jose. You can't lose that one. You can't. If you want to be taken seriously as a team that should be in the playoffs, you beat the Earthquakes in that game. You don't give up four. But I've had my doubts about RSL for a while now. I mean, is what, but, you know, they've obviously stepped up with some wins here and there, so they've kept themselves in the conversation, but I've never been fully sold on them. But this will be the chance because if they if they can if they can do what they need to do against Portland and K, and KC, that's that's you know what that'll that'll impress a lot of people, and it'll shut me up because you know what if they do that then you know what Pablo Mastroeni, Bravo you did a good job with that team and I still think he's done a, a good job considering the coach leaves you know Freddie Juarez leaves in the middle of the season. Messi situation. I think Mastroeni's done a, a you know admirable job there. I don't know if he's going to get the job, keep the job, but I think he's done pretty well considering. So we'll see. That's that's the Wednesday schedule, and uh, I think we covered everything that I wanted to get into. Touched on NWSL. We talked, you know, obviously the weekend. You know, the Columbus Crew won to stay alive. They won in DC, but still tall order for the MLS Cup champions. They got one match left. They need a lot of help. This is what this is what the crew needs to get in. First things first, they need to win their last game. Minimum. That's minimum. Step one, beat the fire at home. But you know what? Doable. Should they should be able to do that. Then but then listen, they Wednesday. Uh they basically need uh they need Atlanta to beat New York. If Atlanta, if if the Red Bulls get a draw or a win, the crew the crew at that point, I think they're toast at that point. Um no, actually I, I stand corrected because Atlanta could still lose out and then the crew could jump ahead of Atlanta. They're gonna need Atlanta or the Red Bulls to basically like stumble at the finish line. That's the two teams that Columbus can catch Atlanta and the Red Bulls. But you know what? Having both the fact that they play each other doesn't bode well, obviously, for Columbus. And they've been playing pretty well, so it, it, that's a tough one for Columbus. It's going to be a tough one. I don't know if we're going to see a repeat. And it's an interesting one, right? Caleb Porter. We've seen this before. Caleb Porter wins an MLS Cup. Teams does does great next year. It just doesn't work. So. That's an unfortunate one. It's been a tough year for them, obviously. A lot of a lot of different things, a lot of injuries and what have you. But if they get in somehow, they, it's you know what? When the teams won an MLS Cup, when the teams won a title before, just last year, you got to think they're they're a team you're not going to want to deal with in the playoffs. But they got a long way to go. 
But I think that's it. I think that wraps it up for this episode of the SBI show. Uh, my apologies for the delay. I know I was gone for a while. It, it's been a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you can hear it. Uh, you can maybe hear it, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost back to 100. percent And obviously dealing with uh, we've the changes that we've made. Uh, we tra- we moved SBISoccer.com over to our new platform. We haven't launched the subscription service yet. Uh, to SBI will have a subscription structure soon. In the next in the next few days, actually, so I've been dealing with that. Been a little under, under the weather, but I'm back. Let's get this going. Um, hopefully, you know this episode covered enough for it covered enough different topics. I think we covered everything. Next episode, there'll be plenty to talk about because we'll have a U.S. roster to break down. We'll have an MLS final week decision day schedule to break down, and uh, we'll see if we can scrounge up a guest or two. I did want to talk about. Squid Game, I finally got around to watching it. Me and the family, we watched it. Uh, binged it a little bit over a couple of days. Uh, I mean, part of it, I, I'm sure I'm not the only person who kind of got to that point where it's like, listen, I keep seeing all these memes. I don't get them because I don't watch the show. I got to watch it. Uh, Ivis Jr. had already started watching it, and he was telling me it was good, so I watched it. And I, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. The hype is, you know, is well-earned. Good show. I know people have their issues with the ending, <laughs> LeBron James, um, and what have you, but I, th- I still thought, look, great show. Great show. Worth the watch. If you need something to binge and you haven't binged it, I, although I, I feel like everyone and their mothers binged it by now, good show. Not really one you're going to watch again. <laughs> it's not, It's not. I don't know the rewatch value on that. It was great. But it was great. It was great. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, that's all for now. Um, definitely thank you again for listening and we'll be back on, I want to say Friday, but could be Saturday. Probably actually, you know what? It will be Saturday with our next episode. We'll be breaking down the U S roster previewing decision day in the MLS with playoff race and, uh, you know, touching on everything under the sun and hopefully maybe we'll get a couple of guests talking all uh, about all the important stuff. We'll definitely have, uh, some of Greg Berhalter's uh, reaction to his roster selections. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that next episode. But that's all for now. I'm Ivis Clarset. This is the SBI Show.